What is going on, everybody? Welcome back to the Mind Over Macros podcast. As always, I am your host, Mike Milner. In today's episode, I am talking all about self-sabotage. I know just hearing those words probably resonates deeply with you. You can kind of, you can feel it. You can feel it deep within your soul when you hear the words self-sabotage. We all do it. We all do it at some point. And some of us, like myself, do it more often than others. And then we look back and we're like, what was I doing? Why did I sabotage my efforts? I was doing so well. What happened? And we sit there confused. And then we gather ourselves up again and we start to push forward. And then we sabotage again. And then all of a sudden, it's a pattern. And it's a trap. We don't know how to get out of it. So what I wanted to do was break down some common forms of self-sabotage because it needs to be discussed. It is an important topic. And I'm actually going to kind of take this in two different directions because in my opinion, there's self-sabotage that has to do with, that's less about us. And you'll understand what I mean by that. And then there's self-sabotage that's very much about us. And you'll understand what I mean by that. Before I get into the episode, I always have to remind you, the most important part is to remind you to leave a five-star rating and review on iTunes if you enjoy the podcast. And of course, if you want to share it with friends and family, that means the world to me. And if you want to take a screenshot of the episode and post it to your stories on Instagram and tag me at coach underscore Mike underscore Milner. That also means the world to me. So you have three different ways to get in my good graces. And it's not, it doesn't take much to please me. It doesn't take much to make me happy. Just one of those three things and that's it. And we are friends forever. So I appreciate all of the love. And, um, you know, it's funny because I wrote a couple emails and posts about self-sabotage and all of a sudden the messages came flying in. Why do I do this? This is so me. I literally do this all the time. How do I make it stop? So I think first and foremost, we have to start with awareness. And in my opinion, that is the first step for any process of change. Of course, if you're not aware, how do you know what you're changing? I also want to say something because it is Friday night right now as I'm recording this, just hanging out on a Friday night doing my podcast. What could be better than that? Not out, not partying, just here with my water. I've got a little uh, Organifi. Um, I've got a little Organifi um, Pure going on here. Pure is actually my new morning routine. Um, but I actually just like the flavor. So I threw a little bit in there as well. Um, if you guys have not been on jumped, if you haven't jumped on the Organifi bandwagon yet, like I've been urging you to do, highly recommend it. I highly recommend it. Um, I switched up my morning routine a little bit. I used to rock the Organifi green juice first thing in the morning because I feel like it was a great way to start the day with some, you know, with some greens. Just kick the day off right. But I've actually been going with the pure now first thing in the morning because that helps with digestion and things had been a little bit off there for me, <laughs> TMI, but just a little bit. Uh, and I've been using the pure first thing in the morning and that's helped 
tremendously. So that's my new morning routine. And then I rock the green juice later in the afternoon so that I'm just kind of having my insurance policy. Things have been so crazy lately and just so busy that I feel like my veggie game has not been on point in terms of just cooking veggies. I haven't wanted to prep them. And even though I'll make like a bag of veggies and then I'll have them left over, it just, I feel like I've been slacking on my veggies. So the green juice is like the best insurance policy and it actually tastes good. That's like, I've never found a green juice that tastes that I actually can stomach and Organifi green juice. It, it tastes really good. It is incredible in terms of the fact that they don't use anything artificial, all natural ingredients. And then of course, my favorite is the fact that they put ashwagandha in their green juice. They put an adaptogen, one of my favorite herbs, one of my favorite adaptogens to help with managing stress, to easing anxiety. I'm a big fan of ashwagandha. And they throw that in their green juice, which I think is an amazing touch. So you should already know this, but we've got a special hookup for Mind Over Macros listeners for Organifi. You can get 20% off any Organifi product by simply going to Organifi.com slash popfam and using code popfam at checkout. That's 20% off. They have an amazing line of products, all natural ingredients. I'm a big fan of the gold juice. I already told you I'm using pure for digestion. I use the green juice to just as my insurance policy to make sure I'm getting in different varieties of vegetables. It is just, it's a lifesaver. It's a time saver. It's an energy saver. It helps you start your day off on the right foot. Highly recommend. Um, go to Organifi.com slash popfam, enter code popfam at checkout. That's O-R-G-A-N-I-F-I.com slash P-O-P-F-A-M and enter popfam at checkout. So yeah, that's what I'm doing on a Friday night. I'm sitting here with my water, with a little pure in there. And uh, you know, it, it's been a long, busy week. And I, I have to just share something because I need to get it off my chest. And no, this isn't going to be one of my rants where I tell you that you're not taking action. And I tell you that you're wasting time. And I tell you that you need to stop believing your own excuses. You know all of that already. You guys know all of that already. If you listen to the show, you know that. You know that you should stop wasting time. You know that time is your most valuable asset and you spend it too freely. You know these things already. You know that everything you desire is on the other side of making a commitment to yourself, of just making one decision that says, you know what? I deserve more. I am worth more. I am going to prioritize myself I am going to invest in myself. I am going to commit to myself. You already know that. However, I have to share something because this week it's been craziness. And I am somebody, because I am a type 2A and I'm a people pleaser, I take on a lot of the emotional attachment to other people, right? We're people pleasers. So we get very invested in other people. And that can be a gift and a curse. And on the gift side of things, it means that I consider myself to be pretty empathetic, compassionate. Um, I, I do pretty well communicating with people and, and trying to help others see the best version of themselves. The curse is I hold on tight when other people make decisions that I know are not in their best interest. 
And it actually drains me a little bit. And I, I feel it in my core and I'm trying to get better. There's actually this concept that's, no, that's called HILA, H-I-L-A, HILA, where it's like high intention, low attachment. So that's what it stands for. And I'm not very good at that right now because I get very attached. So I come in, like if I have a, a call with somebody who's interested in coaching and I can tell like they're on the cusp of this breakthrough, like, oh, I know that all they have to do is make this commitment. And then they're like, yeah, you know what? I just can't do it. Or it's not the right time, or I can't afford it, or my husband won't let me do it, whatever the excuse is. And yes, I'm saying it's an excuse because if you really wanted to make it happen, you would make it happen. However, then I, I just, there's this attachment and I'm like, oh my God, this person was so close. And I feel like I carry that weight personally. And um, it really beats me down sometimes. I'm just being fully transparent here. Uh, this week, there's been certain you know moments like that where I'm like, what am I like? How can I wake this person up and let them see that the decision that they're making is going to cause them so much more frustration in the long run, so much more stress. They're going to waste so much more time. They're going to delay like, and then the problem doesn't go away. That's the point. It's like, yeah, you know, you may have saved some money in the short term, but guess what? The problem's not going away. It's like if you had a repair that needed to be done in your house and you're like, yeah, you know what? We can't afford this repair. But then there's, you know, let's just say it's like a broken window. And now all of a sudden the broken window is still broken. And now all of a sudden you're spending more money because the AC and the heating and whatever, now that's not efficient. And now there's like cracks in the foundation because of the broken window. And this problem just keeps getting worse and worse. It doesn't go away. So the temporary, oh, I saved this amount of money because I didn't just throw it on the repair at that moment. It's, it's a false sense of saving. It's not real because the problem's still there. So now all that you've done is you've wasted more time and you've wasted more energy and then you've wasted more money because the problem got worse. And so when I see that happen, I carry it deeply and I'm trying to get better at that. I'm trying to practice the art of Hila, where I can go in with the highest intention to communicate and to serve and to do everything that I can to lead and guide and motivate and inspire whatever I do, I don't even know what I do, (laughs) but I do my best. And then I need to stop being so attached because I can't decide for you. I can't decide your life for you. If you want to keep your problems, that's your choice. If you want to hold on to your excuses, that's your choice. If you want to believe that you're saving money, when in reality, you're wasting time and money in the long run, I can't convince you of that. That's your decision. So I need to stop being so attached to the outcome. And this is me putting it out there for you to hear, okay? I'm putting it out there for you to hear so you know the crazy thoughts that go on in my mind. This is a little insight into how crazy I am. I will literally sit up at night, be like, man, that one call, that one woman or that one person, I can't believe that she didn't see that or he didn't see that. Like it was, It's right there, the decision It's so obvious. Everything that you need is just one decision away. And it was just, just couldn't get there. And uh, it's, it's upsetting and I carry it 
because I'm a people pleaser, because I'm a type 2A, because I know how that story unfolds. It's like sometimes it's, it's knowing too much. I've seen it play out. I've seen it play out so many times where it's like, oh, no, no, I'm different. I'll, you know, I'm going to do this on my own and it'll be fine. And then two months later, three months later, six months later, a year later, it's like, yeah, you know what? I should have just done it. <laughs> You're right. I wasted too much time. I wasted more money. You're right. Let's do it. And uh, I've just seen the story unfold way too many times. So it, it sits with me and I am trying to get better. So along those lines, that might be considered a form of self-sabotage, right? If you know what you need to be doing and you know you need some help and you know you need coaching, you know you need guidance, you know you need accountability, but you're not willing to commit and invest, that might be a form of self-sabotage. But that's not really what I'm talking about here. I just wanted to share that with you because it's been a long week and I've been carrying some of those feelings inside and needed to get it out there. So this is my form of therapy. Thank you for being my therapist today. Um, So two different ways that I want to talk about self-sabotage. There is the stuff that's not really our fault. Okay. And I see this come up all the time where I'll have these conversations and some of the, the struggles that, you know, some of the stuff that I dealt with when I was going through my chronic dieting years, you know, just always binging on the weekends and overindulging, you know, sometimes during at night and snacking and all these different things uh, that come up. And, and we tend to blame ourselves in the self-sabotage cycle. We have these feelings where we, uh, we like to beat ourselves up. We like to blame our lack of discipline. We like to blame our lack of willpower. We like to say that we're just not consistent enough. And that might be true. There may be some truth to that. But in my experience, it's a little bit more nuanced because it's not usually your fault. So I'm going to talk about the stuff that's not really our fault and then the stuff that is kind of our fault. So when it comes to self-sabotage, I have noticed that there are five very distinct ways in which we sabotage our efforts when it comes to our fitness and nutrition goals. So they, they might sound familiar. You might, be, you might be experiencing them right now. Number one, I just alluded to it. If you're dialed in and consistent all week, but you overindulge and sabotage your efforts every weekend, that is a common form of self-sabotage. I used to be the king of overindulging every weekend. The king. My weekends were ridiculous. There was no structure. There was no control. Uh, one thing went sideways, and it was just all bets were off. And I would rinse and repeat that cycle uh, for, for years, actually. I was the weekend warrior for years where I was restricting like crazy all week. Perfect, like perfect all week to the gram. And then the weekends were just an absolute shit show. So that's number one. Number two is where you kind of have these little moments of self-sabotage here and there. It's not like one big moment, like the weekends, typically they're like that big moment, but oftentimes we have these little moments of self-sabotage where it's just almost seems harmless. It almost seems like it's not a big deal. Like you're eating dinner and your kids having some chicken nuggets and doesn't finish the chicken nuggets. So you finish your kids chicken nuggets. And then your other kid was having, you know, pasta and didn't finish the pasta. So you finish the pasta. Then 
they want dessert. So you get everybody some dessert. They're like, oh, aren't you going to have dessert? And you're like, yeah, I'm going to have dessert. You have some dessert. Then you start snacking on the leftover dessert that they didn't finish. Like all these little things that the mindless snacking, the bites here, the tastes here, and it just kind of adds up. It's like little tiny jabs of self-sabotage. That's number two. Number three is kind of like the tipping point self-sabotage, you know, where you've really flexed your willpower for a long time. Um, Anybody who has done keto should know what I'm talking about or just tried to like go really low carb where your willpower is tested all the time. It's like, I'm not going to eat carbs. I'm not going to eat carbs. You're out at a restaurant. They serve bread. You're like, nope, not going to do it. Uh, You know, everybody gets dessert. Nope, not going to do it. You, You flex, you flex, you flex all that willpower. And then eventually there's the one tipping point. There's something that happened that was just the straw that broke the camel's back. You know, sometimes it's like cookies in the break room or, you know, somebody offered you something just in that moment of weakness. And you were like, yes, I'm going to have it. And then all of a sudden the floodgates open up and you're eating everything in sight. And you're like, well, shit, I can't have carbs ever again. So I might as well eat all of them right now. And then I'm going to go back to my restrictive ways. It doesn't happen. I'm not picking on keto. It's just an easy example. It can happen with anything. You can be restricting in any way and have this happen where there's that moment, you know, just trying to eat 1200 calories and flex your willpower that way. And then all of a sudden there's just something there at the wrong moment and you just go off. So that's number three. Number four is more of a mindset thing. It's believing that you have to be all in. And when you're not all in, you're all out. So the all or nothing mindset, you know, it's just when you frequently, and at least I'm talking from personal experience here, frequently this would happen for me when I would go out to eat or when I would have something that wasn't um, trackable to be like, well, I can't track this. So screw it. All bets are off. Right. So that's the all or nothing mindset. When I was on, I was on, but the minute that there was any form of gray area, it was like, nope, I'm, I'm all out. (laughs) And so that's another form of self-sabotage. Number five, number five is, is kind of tying in my intro a little bit. It's where you're getting very attached to the outcome and you let that dictate your actions. So just like how I need to practice disassociating with the outcome when I'm on a call with somebody and I'm very invested in that person making the best decision for themselves and they don't, that outcome was largely out of my control. They're another human. They make their own choices. You know, of course, there's things that I can do to show them what the best bet is and what the best path is for them. But I largely have not much control over the outcome. And it's the same thing when you are on your fitness journey. You know, you want to have high intention, the same thing. Let's practice HeLa all together. You want to have high intention for your actions, for your habits, for the, you know, for your mindset, high intention, but low attachment to the outcome. Because if you do everything right, and I'm putting right in in quotes, if you do everything quote unquote right, but the scale's up a little bit the next day, well, you might consider that a failure, but that's not actually a failure because that outcome, you don't have control over that. You have control over the things that you do that may impact that outcome, But you have to be willing to do those things regardless of the outcome. So you're doing those things because 
they make you feel better because you know it's good for you because you want to live longer, right? There's, there's other outcomes outside of just, there's other reasons outside of just seeing the scale go down. So it's high intentions for your actions, but low attachment to the actual specific outcome. Now, eventually, right? You have, you have goals. You would like to get to a result, but the result doesn't happen without those daily actions. And if you allow your actions to be determined by the daily outcome, that's a form of self-sabotage. Because if you're like, well, it's not happening fast enough, um, the scale didn't move, and then you rebel, you let loose, and you're like, screw this. It's not even worth it. I'm doing all those things. It's not even worth it. Well, you have to find a reason why it's worth it. So for me, I show up because I love to serve. I, I want to change lives. I want people to get out of the dark hole and, and avoid the same mistakes that I made. So my intentions are to guide you, to lead you, but I can't force anything. So I have to remove my attachment to the outcome because I don't like riding the emotional roller coaster. The same way that you have to remove your attachment to the outcome on that day-to-day basis when you're stepping on the scale or whatever it is, you know, you look in the mirror and you're like, oh, things aren't progressing. I'm done. Screw this. You have to have high intentions for your actions and then eventually the results will happen. But if you live too much in the outcome, it's going to be a slippery slope. So those are the top five. Those are the five forms that I see when it comes to self-sabotage. But now the thing about that is most people perceive those five things as fundamental character flaws because, and I'm saying this from, from personal experience, that's the way that I used to define it. Like, what is wrong with me? Something has to be wrong with me if I'm doing this to myself. I know what I want to accomplish, and yet here I am every single weekend eating like a jackass. Here I am living in this all-or-nothing mindset. Here I am allowing the outcome to dictate everything that I do and my emotional state. So what's wrong with me? Well, nothing. Nothing's wrong with you. The same thing that pulled me out of that is the same thing that we often find pulls our clients out of that. And it's really twofold. And the first thing should be obvious because if you are constantly binging, overindulging, snacking, you know, mindlessly snacking, um, you know, really feeling like this lack of control, that is a signal, a very clear signal from your body, excuse me, to you that something is not right. And most times it's the fact that you're just under eating. It's the fact that you're restricting yourself. You're depriving yourself. Your body wants some freaking energy. It wants some energy. So give it what it's asking for. It's amazing how many times we actually dial things back for our clients in terms of more food, more flexibility, more freedom of choice. And all of a sudden things move. The plateau is broken. There's no more self-sabotage. Just the, sh- the stress release of not obsessing, of not trying to be perfect, of not restricting, of not having this list of foods that you can and can't eat. All of a sudden, just that alone gets things moving again. And it's like, could it really be this simple? Oftentimes, yes, it is. Now, simple doesn't mean easy because your mind is going to convince you that it's 
that it's too easy, right? Your mind's going to convince you that it can't be that simple. So even when you start to see progress, you're going to question it. You're going to be like, something's not right here. I think I should probably go back to 1200 calories. And you'll, you'll start to gravitate towards those old thoughts because it takes a while to rewire your brain. I know this because I used to fall back into those patterns frequently. And to be honest, if I didn't have a coach, I probably still would. That's just my nature. My natural tendency is to gravitate towards under eating. And then what happens when I under eat, I binge, I snack, I have no control. It's not a pretty sight. Mel can tell you it's, it might be entertaining. She might think it's funny, but it's not a pretty sight. Um, so I know that about myself, which is why I have accountability is why I have a coach. So the point is, it's not a fundamental character flaw. All of a sudden, when you have balance and freedom and flexibility and something that's sustainable and things aren't off limits anymore, it's funny what happens. The mindset shift that happens, the self-sabotage goes away. And all of a sudden you're like, oh, is it really that simple? And we actually had a a great um, example of this recently. We had a client who was so against tracking. And I don't mind when somebody comes to us and they don't want to track. That's totally fine. We have plenty of other tools in the toolbox. But I just think it's, it's sometimes it's funny when somebody is like just vehemently against a bad experience, whatever it may be, whatever the background story is. But she was just, I do not want to track. I'm tired of it. I'm fed up. It hasn't worked for me. It's a stressor. Cool. Say no more. We're not going to track. Then she started working with her coach and her coach was like giving her permission not to track. And like, I think it was like 10 days into the process. She sent a check in to her coach and was like, you know, I think I want to track because now that it's not off limits or like now that it's, it's just optional, there's no pressure and there's no stress. And it seems pretty easy. Like, I think I want to start to incorporate it in. So they started to add in a couple of days of tracking and like totally optional. She's like, this is crazy. I don't know why I was so adamant that I couldn't do this. And it was literally just the psychological effect of having something that was like forced on her because her last coaching program, it was just like, you have to hit your macros. If you don't hit your macros, you're a failure. And like, macro harder and be more consistent and just hit your numbers. And doesn't matter what your body is telling us, just keep hitting your numbers. And she was like, it's, it's crazy that you took away those like, you know, rules and restrictions and all of a sudden tracking lost its control over me. And now I feel like I can use it if I want and I don't have to use it. And she's, she was like mind blown. And, and it was funny because she had sent a, a audio message and Mel was actually her coach. And um, if you don't know, Mel and I were, she's my girlfriend. We live together. So she's like, you have to listen to this voice memo. And uh, we played it and we were both cracking up. Like it's, it's, it's true though. It's just the psychological effect of saying like, this is what you have to do. These rules are what you have to. And that's why being placed into a diet box is going to create more problems. That's why it's going to create self-sabotage. So when I say it it's, has nothing to do with you, It just has to do with the nature of trying to follow some arbitrary rules. There's that natural rebel inside of you that doesn't like being told what to do, especially when there's not really any rhyme or reason for it. When it's just like, oh, we say so. This is just how 
you have to do it. And it's like, eh, do I though? And then you start to test the limits and you test the limits and you're like, yeah, but I don't actually have to do this. Right. And that's where the self-sabotage comes in. It's nothing wrong with you. It's just the nature of being placed into a diet box or doing a cookie cutter program or following some arbitrary rules that make no sense for you. All of those things are solved with just what I would say, you know, kind of like the the freedom flexibility approach where we kind of remove all of that. And we just find what makes you feel your best for you. Um, the other thing is understanding your neurotype because it does help to know your behavioral tendencies, what motivates you, the way that your brain works, some of those mindset hurdles we might be dealing with. Certain personality types are more prone to all or nothing thinking. Certain personality types are more prone to perfectionist tendencies. Certain personality types are more prone to being impatient and jumping from thing to thing or being too too married to the outcome and not being able to focus on the process. So it gives us a ton of valuable information to be able to address some of those uh, self-sabotage tendencies. So understanding your personality type, your neurotype, absolutely will unlock a lot of answers for you when it comes to this. So hopefully that makes sense. And that's really the main thing when it comes to the self-sabotage, that's really not your fault. That's kind of a product of the industry, the way that diets are set up. That's more a product of the vehicle than it is the driver, right? You're the driver. If you didn't under, if you didn't know in that analogy, it's not your fault. It's not the driver's fault. It's the vehicle's fault. Now there's something that's kind of baked into your DNA. And I actually wrote this email and I can confidently say now that this is the most um, amount of replies that I've ever received for an email, which is funny because I wasn't even asking for anything in return. Normally I'll say like, you know, Hey, hit me up if you are interested in coaching or shoot me a reply. If you want to do X, Y, Z, or if you want to join the challenge, or if you want to join our Facebook group, whatever it may be, typically there's going to be something that I'm asking for in return. But uh, this morning I was just in the, in the mood to write about this and uh, wanted to share this perspective. And I've gotten more replies from this email than anything else. So normally I wouldn't do this, but what I'm going to do is actually just read it word for word uh, because apparently it resonated with a lot of you. So I think uh, for those of you who don't read my emails and just listen to the podcast, I don't want you to miss out. So this has to do with a different form of sabotage, something that's kind of baked in to our DNA, something that I have personal experience with. It is a, um, it's, it's a touchy subject in a way. It's an emotional, emotionally charged subject. So I'm just going to jump right in and read this to you. Will you allow yourself to be successful? That's a serious question. It's easy to think about how amazing life will be when you reach your goals. It feels great in your mind. You can see it, feel it, taste it. The idolized version of you is a beautiful thing, but will you allow it to happen? There's a big difference between fantasy and reality. And no, I'm not talking about just doing the work. I'm talking about allowing yourself to be successful. Have you ever been in a situation where things were going incredibly well and then out of nowhere, you set fire to everything. You burned it all. Like, where the fuck did that even come from? You were making progress. You were feeling great. You were well on your way. And then bam, just like that, you lit the match and blew it all up. 
then you probably spent some time picking up the pieces, scratching your head, wondering what in the world just happened. How could you be so close and then pull yourself back so far? I actually know why. And it's something that you won't find in any diet book or training manual. It's something that's built into your software. It's in the way you're wired. Achieving success means losing a part of you. And that's scary. It's painful. It comes with grief and loss. Ask any person who has lost significant weight about the old version of themselves. They'll speak fondly about the safety net, the fact that they knew what to expect, the fact that they could hide and remain comfortable. The results that they achieved required loss of those things. People noticed and commented, so they felt a certain pressure to continue. They could no longer hide. They had to step into a new identity. There was a grieving process, and I know because I lived it. I still hold a special place in my heart for the 250-plus-pound version of me, but I was never going to allow myself to be successful until I became aware of the inherent loss that comes with growth. When a lobster outgrows its shell, it feels intense pressure, discomfort, and pain. The discomfort is what tells the lobster it's time to grow a new shell. There's pain and discomfort when you decide to outgrow your shell. Some people decide to keep their old shell forever because once they start to see progress, they're caught off guard by the vulnerability of it all. So they hide once again. You can't build your new shell without embracing the pain and discomfort of outgrowing your old one. So let me ask you again. Will you allow yourself to be successful? Identify your patterns and behaviors when success starts to happen. Your setbacks might be a direct result of your unwillingness to experience the pain and discomfort of outgrowing your shell. Just food for thought. Much love, Coach Mike. So that was the email that I sent out this morning, and I have received more replies to that message than any other one that I've sent, um, probably in the last three years. So clearly, it resonated with a lot of you. And somebody, I say, you know, several of you uh, said, yeah, this is uh, exactly me. But what do I do about it? And that's a really nuanced question with a nuanced answer. Because I don't have a blanket statement answer. I can't just give you a, a simple here's what you do to fix it. Uh, what I can say is it's challenging. What I can say is it's going to require a lot of introspective thinking. It's going to require a lot of personal development. And it's going to require stepping into fear, knowing that it's okay. Knowing that the fear is not going to go away, but you're still going to move forward. You're still going to grow that new shell. And it's okay to have the feelings of grief and loss and discomfort and pain. Not to judge those feelings, not to think that those feelings are wrong or need to be pushed to the side, but accepting that those feelings are perfectly normal and allowing those feelings to pass by and just noticing that they passed by. So it's a challenging thing to embrace 
because nobody likes to be uncomfortable. Nobody likes to be in pain. Nobody likes to grieve. But those are necessary things when you're trying to level up. When you're trying to achieve success at any level, there is inherent loss along the way. And so it's okay to take a moment to address those things, to think about them, to play it back in your mind, some of the patterns that have existed in your life and what maybe you would like to do differently this time around. But what I can tell you is that pain is temporary. The pain and the discomfort is temporary. So when you make that change, when you make that commitment, when you take that leap and you step into your new shell, the pain goes away. And then all of a sudden you see the potential on the other side. You see the opportunity, you see the potential. Whereas if you don't, if you shy away from that pain, if you shy away from that discomfort, it may feel safer in the moment, but long-term, it is way more painful because the pain of staying the same, of knowing that you're capable of more, that is a pain that is soul-crushing because I've experienced that pain as well. And I know what that feels like. So when you know you're capable of more and you stay the same, that pain will last way longer and it will cut much deeper. So step into that temporary pain, knowing that on the other side of that, there is tremendous growth and potential. Hopefully this was helpful, guys. As always, thank you for hanging out with me. Thank you for tuning in. Thank you for sharing. And I will talk to you guys next time.